Hello mate, I'm Governor B and you're listening to The Lost Tapes. In 2017, my dad passed away unexpectedly and I realised shortly after that I wasn't well equipped to deal with or process grief. I'm still on that journey, but one thing that's helped is talking to people that have also experienced loss. They may not be able to take away my pain, but it's helpful to know that there are people out there who might have been through similar struggles and emotions that I've faced. On this podcast, I talk to guests about their experience of losing someone or something that they love. On the podcast today, I'll be talking to Emma Borkway, who also happens to be my wife. We'll be talking about the loss of her father-in-law. Often people ask me how I'm doing and they hear my perspective on my dad, but sometimes we can subconsciously dismiss, underestimate or undervalue the perspectives of the other people that a loss can affect. Welcome to the Lost Tapes podcast and today we are speaking to the very beautiful um, and multi-talented Emma Louise Meredith Walkway. Um, So I'm a mother to our son um, and I run an online magazine called Girl Got Faith. Um, I'm married to you. Um, You like that, yeah? I do, yeah, actually. It's all right, <laughs> no, sometimes. None of that. None of that today. Okie dokes. Um, how's maternity leave going? It is actually sick. <laughs> yeah, don't forget you got to go back to work, yeah. I think everyone should get the opportunity to have like a whole year off work, though. No matter what Why? you do. Because I just think it's such a good time. don't know, you know, just like choose what you want to do every day. What have you been doing with your time? Just like completely random. Well, Ezra, our son, he's pretty old, pretty young even at the moment. So it's been fairly easy. Just go for walks, go shopping, go for coffee, <laughs> hang out with people. But obviously that's probably going to change as he gets a bit bigger. But for now, I'm enjoying it. Good. I'm glad. That's Ezra there making a little noise. Um, today we're going to be talking about the loss of your father-in-law. Um which we've spoken about a little bit, but we probably haven't sat down for an hour to discuss it in depth, holistically, would you say? No. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit nervous about this. Do you remember what it was like when you first met my family? Like, did you feel nervous? Um, Because I perceive you as quite a naturally confident person and really comfortable in conversation and when you interact with people. But do you remember how you felt like the first time I taught you to my mum's and my dad's? Yeah, of course. I think um, I think it's natural for anyone to be nervous the first time they meet their boyfriend or girlfriend's new parents. New parents? <laughs> <laughs> swap, swap the old ones. <laughs> with the old and with the new. Um, no, sorry. Um, yeah, the first time they meet someone's parents... I don't know, I guess you're just nervous because you're like, oh, I know this person, I've been getting to know them, but then you're about to like see them on a whole new level when you see their family. Um, yeah, I don't know, I didn't really know what to expect. I don't feel like you talked about your family that much. I actually can't really remember. We weren't talking for that long before I met them, so. Oi, what did you say, you got in there quick, yeah? <laughs> I did, yeah, you were, you were sure about me from the start. Jokes. What were your first impressions like? Because I remember... When I took you home, I wasn't that nervous. I knew you'd be all right. But my mum, um, it's very hard to please sometimes. Um, at least I thought. 
And then when you left, she called me and she was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. She offered to wash the dishes. <laughs> and I was like, right, is that all it took for my mum to like you? But like, what were your first impressions like? I'm trying to remember, was the first time that I met your parents, was that the day when everyone was there? And like it was like a barbecue and there was loads of family there. Or was yeah, that the yeah, second was, time? No, there was a few people there. I wanted to ease you in because it takes the pressure off, innit? Yeah, there was still a lot of pressure. I, oh, I don't it's know. quite intense if it's just like me, you and my mum and my dad. You know yeah, I mean? that's true. But yeah, no, I do. I remember there was quite a few people. Um, yeah, it was quite overwhelming. I don't know. It was just... But did you feel the vibe? Did they like, like you straight away or did you, were you just still trying to work them out? Yeah, um, no, I think they liked me. I think I'm quite a likeable person. I'm going to put that out there. My mum and dad weren't really feeling you. No, they were. I know they were. (laughs) Don't try it. (laughs) Um, Do you remember like any significant moments um, that you shared with, I don't know whether to refer to him as, for the sake of the interview, we refer to him as your father-in-law. Or my dad, because dad sounds shorter. But like, do you remember... You can just call him your dad. My dad. Do you remember any significant moments? But the reason I say that, right, is because obviously throughout that whole situation, everyone's just like, your dad, your dad, your dad, your dad, right? Mm. Which is true. But because you're my wife or the comforter, sometimes people don't refer to him via like the relationship that you personally had with him. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? And I think that's important to to mention. But we can call him my dad. Yeah. Um but do you remember any like significant moments that you, you shared with him? What was your relationship like with him? Uh do you know what? Every time I think of your dad, all I think like the first picture that comes to my head is always him sitting in that one seat on the sofa <laughs> as you walk into the front room and you turn right and it's like that one on the edge, like right there Mm. that's like the first picture that I always get in my mind and then I get like a little picture of him just like laughing like I feel like everyone like your house is quite like loud like everyone likes talking and I don't know you talk over each other and it's just fun like his vibes (laughs) but then I feel like your dad would always just be like standing there just laughing yeah like just in the back he wouldn't really need to say anything but he's just like haha like (laughs) 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 he laughs yeah (laughs) 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 um but yeah, so I don't know. I just always imagine him like that. And then there's this other one memory that I have of him, which is when it was Christmas and it was our first Christmas as a married couple. And we went to your mom and dad's house and um, my parents had got them a gift. And so your mom was like, we have to take a picture with the <laughs> gift to send it to your parents. <laughs> but your dad was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> He was never on taking a picture. It was so funny. And I swear, I literally took about 150 photos because your mum kept being like, do it again, do it again, do it again. And your dad was just there like, what? <laughs> and I always remember that. Yeah, no. Nah. You had a really good relationship with him. I feel like he he wasn't a man of many words, just a man of a few. But I could just tell that he had a soft spot for you, which was cool. Um, so when he fell ill... It all happened quite quickly, I feel, mm. in my perspective, um, because from my perspective, um, obviously we found out he went to hospital, Yeah, we visited him and I didn't feel like anything would happen. I just felt like, ah, oh, whatever it is, so mine and I could probably get over it pretty soon. Like when you went, did you feel like, ah, oh, this could turn out quite badly or were you none the wiser? No, do you know what? I don't think there was any part in my mind that thought, it was going to turn out bad. Mm. And I 
I don't know if that came from a place of ignorance, perhaps, that I have never, I had never at that point had anyone close to me pass away. So in in that kind of way, I mean, yeah. so like my grandparents, well, my nan had passed away before, but she was very elderly. We knew about it for a while. She kind of died in her sleep. It was old age. But in that circumstance, like seeing a family member be unwell and go to hospital, I've never seen that end the way that it did. Mm. So yeah, in my mind, it was like, oh no, he's just ill in hospital and he's going to come out in a few days. Yeah, I felt the same. And I remember like, was it like a day after, a couple of days after it was your birthday? And then, well, we celebrated your birthday early that year, didn't we? Yeah, so it was a week before my birthday. And then we went to like a silent disco. <laughs> with friends and it was just like good vibes i still look at the pictures now mm. and um like everyone was enjoying themselves but i do remember though the day that morning so we that was like an afternoon thing it was like a rooftop like af- like afternoon silent disco kind of mm. random um but i remember that the day before you had a show in bristol and you were like oh i don't know whether to go or not and you were kind of questioning like oh is is my dad okay? Should I be there for my mum? Like, do I need to go visit him? And your mum was like, no, go. Like, it's important. Like, your dad would want you to go. And that is so true. And then on Sunday morning, I remember you went and visited him mm. in hospital. And I was like, oh, if, like, you don't want to come to my birthday or whatever, that's totally fine. Um, but, yeah, and then I just remember you you saw him in hospital and then you came out and you were so happy because you were like, oh, yeah, he seemed so much better. Like, he seemed a lot stronger. And then we went for my birthday thing and that was it like it was a cool day yeah yeah it was crazy because i remember that day he hadn't been eating before he lost his appetite and then when i went to visit him the nurse was like oh he had like a full meal so i was gassed because i was like oh, if he's eating then yeah he must be all right um but sadly probably the next day right it was the next day yeah um he passed away and for anyone that doesn't know he had cancer but he didn't know that he had it and it was a really aggressive form of cancer um and i don't know now i think back i think maybe us not knowing might have been a good thing because we got to like stay positive right until the end and sometimes when you get news like that it's quite hard to deal with um i know like your dad's had cancer like a few times and beat it and stuff but do you feel like if you knew like that he had cancer it would have changed the way you approach those last few days because you probably still wouldn't have known how aggressive it was or when he'd passed away or anything like that would you yeah I think at the time we just thought it was that exhaustion or something wasn't it like they said that's initially what they said that because I remember it was summer it was really hot and he's got quite a physical job so they were like oh he's quite dehydrated a bit tired needs to rest and stuff so I think yeah I guess the word cancer automatically sends like fire alarms off in your brain where you're like oh actually this is really serious and we probably I don't know maybe would have just been there more yeah do you remember like that evening like when you got the call because I was actually I'm a deep sleeper in it I actually thought you were the one that was a deep sleeper but in this situation made me realize I was the deep sleeper because my brother tried to call me a few times and obviously it was your birthday do you know what I mean? We had a lot to drink and that. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But like, I was cogged out. So you're the one that actually woke me up. Like, just talk to me a bit about like that day. Like, if you remember it, it was clear. What, the whole day? Yeah. Just like, because I feel like it went super fast. Yeah, I can't like, 
It, it all blurs into one. Yeah. And I feel like actually kind of that whole season blurs into one as well. Mm. Like I, it's hard to work out what happened on what days. But yeah, I don't know. I think because everything was fine. Like we had celebrated my birthday. Your dad was unwell in hospital, but he seemed to be on the mend. We were like, I don't know. Things were kind of looking up everything was okay life felt fairly normal went to bed as normal it wasn't like we were going to bed like worrying about your dad and mm. we weren't no no one was like it wasn't the expectation that mm. anyone had so then yeah I guess when my phone started re like I don't get phone calls and no one calls me because <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm I, I actually hate speaking on the phone so I'm people always up because like you see when you get a call yeah it's always from like an unknown number. <laughs> so I'm always like, who's calling my girl? And then I wait for you to pick up and it's like, PPI. Honestly, I, I literally never take phone calls. Um, yeah. So then my phone ringing in the middle of the night was like very out of the ordinary. So yeah, it just woke me up, I guess. And then it was your brother. Like I just saw your brother's name. And I, honestly, I was in such like a daze, like just having woke up. I didn't think like, oh my gosh, I'm answering the phone and your brother's going to be delivering some bad news. I just was like, oh, your brother's calling. So I quickly answered. I was like, hello. Mm. And then I remember like, he didn't even say hello. He didn't say like, oh, is Isaac there? Like he didn't say anything. He was just like, um, you need to come to hospital. Dad's on life support. And then I realized like when I heard that, I was like, this isn't the phone call that I should be taking. Yeah. And Obviously, he called me, but he had been calling you first mm. and you were asleep. So you just hadn't like seen it. So I was like, oh, my gosh. So I literally was like, OK, let me get Isaac. And I just woke you up and then um, he spoke to you shortly. And I was like, but I didn't even say anything to you. I just went, Isaac, your brother's on the phone because I couldn't bring myself to say it because mm. I was like, wait, what? Like I was still processing what he had just said. I didn't even know if I'd heard it right. Um, so yeah, I just kind of like shook you, woke you up and was like, I think your brother's on the phone. And then he, you were speaking to him. And then I just remember you just said whatever on the phone, like very brief conversation. You just put the phone down, you got out of bed and you went and started brushing your teeth and you hadn't said anything. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I got out of bed and I just started getting dressed as well. Um, and then I remember you were like, I was like, okay, are we going to go to hospital? Yeah. And then you were like, no, I'm going to the hospital, but you stay at home. And then I was like, no, I'm coming to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Never listened to anything I say. But no, you, I'm glad you did come though. Yeah, like, but I think in a way, maybe, I don't know, I'm speaking on your behalf here, but my thought process was that you didn't want me to come because you thought me coming was expecting the worst to yeah. happen, but you wanted to keep hopeful. Yeah, definitely. Like that was 100% my... Um, I think that's the way my mind processed like the situation. I was like, oh, if Emma comes, then it means it's super serious. And obviously yeah. I didn't want it to be serious. Um, so yeah, that was probably why. But obviously you came anyway, which now I look back, like, I'm really glad you did. Because then I don't know what I would have done when I got there. Because it was bad from the jump. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, then we hopped in a car. Mm -hmm. And... Sped down at A13. Mm -hmm. And it felt like the journey was super quick. And we got there. And I know what happened, like, for me. But, like, I've never really asked you, like, what that experience was for you. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't even remember the car journey. I just remember arriving at hospital. And 
I remember, but I remember before we got in the car, so when we were at home and getting ready, I remember feeling like I was pushing to come. So I was like, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. But you kept telling me not to come. So it wasn't like you just said it once. It was like a few times you're like, yeah, don't come, don't come. But I just knew in my head, I was like, no, I can't. So I remember I said to you, oh, um, when we get there, I can just sit in the car and you can go in and I'm sure everything will be fine. And then I'll just be in the car. I just want to come. I don't want to stay at home. Mm. Um, but in my head, I was thinking, oh, is this even the right thing to do? Am I being out of order, like pushing myself on this situation? But I just had to do it. And then, yeah, I don't remember the car journey, but I remember when we got to the hospital and like I remember we walked into the visitor's room because we couldn't go straight in to see your dad because um, I think they were like checking on him or doing something. Um, and then your mum was there and your brother they were the only people there at that point, weren't they? Mm. Um, but yeah, and I just remember like not having a clue what to do. I'd never been in that situation before. And it's not your, fa- like, you know, when it's your family, even if you've never been in a situation before, you know how to like yeah. be there for someone or encourage someone or support someone. But I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I actually haven't been in an in- intense situation with your family before. So I didn't know like what people wanted. I don't know if people want to talk. I don't know if people want to like be distracted. I don't know if they just want to pray or yeah. what they want to do. Is it harder like um, being that supportive person for me? Because I feel like I'm the kind of person where, like you say, I got up, didn't say anything and just went to brush my teeth. I didn't really communicate how I was feeling or what I wanted. Like, was it hard for you to know what I wanted in that situation? Because I'm your closest point of contact mm. in that situation. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really hard to know what you wanted. Um, and I actually remember like, I think it was literally like two weeks before your dad passed away. I remember having a conversation with you and I was saying to you, oh, Isaac, I feel like you know me so well that you always know what to do to help me when I need you. Like you'll buy me a chocolate bar or like (laughs) (laughs) just say something nice or we'll go cinema and that always makes me feel better but I was like I feel like I don't ever know what you need like what you want or what you need if you're in a tough situation and I was like please like think of some things and let me know what you need and I remember like you actually never got around to let me know the things you needed but I remember when we got to hospital thinking oh my gosh I don't know what he needs and I remember thinking oh I just wish I knew that the things that he needed because I don't know. You're just a difficult one. I think you need different things at different times. I've started to learn. Mm -hmm. And I don't think vocalizing your emotions is necessarily one of your strengths or vocalizing what you need. Um, But then I think. (laughs) As we're making this. Sorry about that. Um, Um, Yeah, I don't think vocalizing what you need is necessarily one of your strong points. Um, But then in a situation like that, I think even the strongest person, even the best communicator would find it hard to say exactly what they need in Mm. that kind of situation. So, yeah, it it was really, really hard to know what to do. I feel like you did a perfect job, though, because one of like my more more beautiful memories from that whole situation was just like how close you were with my mum in the room, because like she was crazy distraught like crying and like really really upset 
And I feel like she was just, I remember just her clinging on to you, man, and like holding your hand and like you were praying with her and yeah. super positive. And I don't know, maybe you just went into autopilot and was like, I don't know what I need to do, but like this feels like the right thing or whatever. Yeah, I think I knew, what I know of you is that you quite like processing alone. So I kind of felt like, oh, I was just going to be annoying for you if I was like, do you want a drink? Do you want this? Do you want a cuddle or whatever? Oh, I can't stand that. You know, like when you're crying and stuff and upsetting and someone comes to rub your back. It's like, <laughs> get off me. Like, I love you though, but don't touch me right now. I know. And I knew but you, you actually like that, innit? If you're upset. Yeah. Like, like I want like, someone to put their arm around me and be like, oh, it's okay. But I knew for you, you would be like get off me so <laughs> <laughs> so I was like okay cool I'm just gonna leave him and you're with your brother anyway and I feel like you guys have got a really good bond and can support one another but your mom is actually really good at saying what she needs or like bringing people into that mm. um so yeah we just prayed together and yeah it was it was actually kind of mad though because in that room there was a Muslim family as well yeah yeah I remember and they were also praying mm. but like it was a really small room like small i don't know what foot the room was i don't know how to do things like <laughs> not that. well versed in square footage yeah i have no idea it was like a normal room whatever a box room yeah a box room there was one sofa and an armchair um but yeah they were praying and we were praying and in a way it was like quite a beautiful moment really like mm. where it's kind of when you get into that place of desperation especially for a loved one you're not thinking like, oh, is this the is this appropriate for me to be praying at the same time? Are they going to find it offensive? Yeah. Or like, is it weird to both be praying to different gods or whatever in the same room? But actually in that moment, you're like, no, we are just all calling on God in yeah. what way that we feel that we should. Shortly after um, the prayers and the desperation, we found out that he had passed away, which was a shock for everyone. Yeah. And... I remember my mum fainted actually yeah, and had did. to go to like another award mm -hmm. to be seen. And then she came back and it was all real. Me and my brother started crying, like mm -hmm. hugging each other and that. He was crying as well. It was like mad emotional. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like in that moment you could let go and like grieve yourself for your father-in-law? Or do you still feel like you was in like support mode? Nah, I think um, I definitely felt the weight of the grief. But I also knew that I'm I'm quite an emotional person. So if I cry, I'm like crying, crying. Like <laughs> I can't stop crying. Like I can't just do a little bit of a cry. Like you'll be able to do like a few tears and then you'll pull yourself together and you'll be okay. Yeah. But once I like proper let it go, I'm like, oh my gosh, like proper crying. So I thought, do you know what? I need to try and like control this. And I was like, this isn't my time. I just knew there was something within me. I was like, I need to put a lid on it, basically. And I wasn't brushing things to the side. I wasn't pretending something hadn't happened. But I think there was something within me that knew my role mm. in that specific moment was that I need to be available for you guys and I need to be as strong as I can be. Oh. And crying isn't weakness, but I knew that for me, I would lose control if I, like went too hard so I remember I just went down the corridor and I went around the corner I had a little cry by myself and then I came back and then your uncle George gave me a hug <laughs> and then that was it and then I tried to just hold it down when do you think you actually had time to exhale take a deep breath 
and process what had happened for yourself without the pressure of being there for me, my mom, even like my brother you got a good relationship with. Mm. Just being able to like process, right? Like my father-in-law's not here anymore. Yeah, I think um, the feeling of my father-in-law isn't here anymore didn't sink in for a very, very long time, probably like months maybe. Um, but the processing bit, I guess, happened a little bit earlier. So when we first went to the hospital that morning, um, I remember you didn't come home then for like seven days and we had been staying at your mum's house um, every night um, just because we were there the whole time. So it made sense to stay. Um, but I had popped home to like come and get some clothes. And then I remember... Uh, that week I had to go to work <laughs> as well just for like two days I think it was like near the end of the week um so then I think it was on those moments when I stepped away and I was like whoa wait like this is crazy and I think because like I said I'm quite an emotional person I think I do process it through like crying or through just like letting myself at like go just be like oh okay cool what's just happened mm. and then I'll just cry or I don't know. I think I spoke to my mum and then, yeah. So I think it was in those moments where I was kind of more by myself and I'd stepped away from the situation that gave me the opportunity to, I guess, just Just let it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I needed those, like I'm one of those people that needs to cry because if I don't cry, it builds up and then I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just crazy. So was it weird seeing me cry? Because I feel like I you haven't seen me cry loads. Mm. I mean, and I just kind of broke down. Yeah, um, I find like men crying in general really emotional, and I find anyone honestly, if anyone cries in front of me, I'll cry. Even if I don't know them, if they start crying, I'll cry. Whoever they are. But like, I remember growing up, like seeing my dad cry would always make me cry. I'd be like, oh my gosh, that would just get me down so deep. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so I remember seeing you cry. I was like, rah, like, but then there was no, in my head, if you didn't cry, that would have been even weirder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have worried and you, I think. I think that would have really, really worried me. And I think actually probably partly afterwards where you didn't really cry that much afterwards and you didn't express that much emotion afterwards... That did worry me. Yeah. But in that first instant moment, yeah, seeing you cry and your brother and just everyone really, it's a lot. And I was really trying not to cry. <laughs> I remember chatting to someone um, recently, actually. It might even have been you or maybe I was with you and we were chatting to someone and they were like their family, I think it's South American. can't remember where from, but the way in which they mourn is they bring all the kids together, explain what has happened and they just like cry for like an hour straight, just like shout, cry, let it all out and after they feel like loads better. Which I is swear like, I wasn't there because oh yeah, you would remember that. that sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they do it in like big groups and obviously on the day that my, my dad passed away, he passed away in the morning mm-hmm. and we went home and literally by about 11am or midday, my house was full with people and that continued for a week probably Mm -hmm. where there'd be like 20 people in my house if not more at one time just crying screaming Mm -hmm. shouting saying like charlie's gone um charles is gone blah 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 
Like, was that a bit of a that like that's known as the Ghanaian way? But like, was that a culture shock for you? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, yeah, I had no idea, and it's not even like that's the kind of thing that someone's going to explain to you. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. you had never lost anyone close in your family before either so it's not like I had been around it to see like okay this is how your family grieve and even like grief within my family I've not really been around it so I've just not been around it at all Mm. and so yeah I just remember like I remember my first thought when people kept coming through the door I was thinking okay surely that no one else is going to come and then another person would come and another person and another person and I remember thinking no this is too many people like what is going on but that was me in my head being like it's too many people but reflecting back now I'm like wow that was actually incredible that's Mm. an incredible way to grieve to have so many people come and support and surround you um and that was amazing. But I do, there was definitely things with like things that I struggled with. Yeah. Just that, and and this will be for anyone I think who's been in that situation in a house where people keep coming in to grieve and to mourn. You appreciate them being there. You appreciate the support. But actually when you hear the cry and stop mm. and then you're like, oh, okay. And then a new person walks in the door. You're like, oh, yeah. it's about to start again. Yeah. Because you know, as soon as someone new comes, it, all happens again Mm. um and I found that quite hard I think because I'd be like oh maybe like and it was particularly like your mum was particularly emotional obviously um but I just remember thinking maybe she just needs a rest from crying yeah and I genuinely felt like concerned for her um and yeah I'm actually like I don't know I'm getting emotional are you I don't know where though, but I was going to say like, I'm really grateful that um, like my dad was like around to see me like become your boyfriend and then marry you and be at our wedding. Don't, you're going to make me cry now. Because like he genuinely like really, really loved you. And I look back at that situation and I'm like, if I didn't have you by my side, like my attitude is very much a lot of the time. I'm like independent, can do it by myself. But, genuinely you were like such a help to me and I know that that wouldn't have been easy um like just talk a bit about how you found like the after effects of everything and me Mm. just basically being a miserable guy walking around the house drinking probably more than I should have drunk and because one of the things I remember is like I remember when um I maybe had like one too many disarranos before bed and then you were about to walk up the stairs and then you was like, should I say something? And I could see you like thinking about whether to say something or not. And then I can't even remember what you said, but it was enough for me to know that I shouldn't really be drinking as much as I am. Um, but like, I don't know, man, how did you find just like looking out for me in that situation? Okay, well now I need a tissue. Um. <laughs> you're lucky you're not an ugly cryer. I actually am an ugly cryer. Um... Yeah, it was hard. It was really hard. I think there's just so many levels to it, so many layers to it. Like one, never having experienced it before. Two, the fact that like it was so sudden 
and it kind of felt like that gone too soon thing um and it's just hard like when it's because it didn't feel like my thing to grieve if that makes sense and obviously I I do grieve it and I did grieve it but when it's your husband or your wife's parent that's a very very different relationship um yeah it's a very different relationship when it's your husband or wife's parent and so I, I was very sensitive to that but I also had no idea what that would feel like and it doesn't mean that to be able to support someone you have to know exactly what it feels like or have to have gone through the same situation but I do think sometimes that helps but I just felt like oh my days I have no idea what to do and I just got worried that like anything I did was going to push your buttons and just make you feel sadder and you know when you like see someone you love who's upset you want to do everything you can to make it better but sometimes in trying to do that you try too hard and you make it worse yeah and I think I was quite conscious of doing that. So then a lot of the time I would just do nothing. And then I'd feel bad that I was doing nothing. And then I would try and talk to you. And then you wouldn't really like say too much. So then I'd be like, oh, I think I'm annoying him. And then I remember like one time I just decided in my head, okay, all I need to do is just every day ask him, what is one thing you need from me today? And that was my little plan. And I was like, okay, cool. This is going to work. What a great plan, Emma. You don't need to like bother him with loads of questions. You don't need to be like, do you want a drink? Do you want some food? Do you want this? Do you want that? But like, just ask, what one thing do you need from me today? And I remember being like to you, like this was the first time I did it. And I was so excited. And I was like, what is one thing that you need from me today? And you went, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. That's <laughs> had to rethink your plan. And I was just like, okay, cool. So it didn't work today. Great. That's fine. And then I like tried it again the next day and I was like, okay, what is one thing that you need from me today? And you went, I really have no idea. And I was like, okay, cool. So this isn't going to work. Yeah. But we want to make things better in it when we see yeah. someone's in a bit of a rut. But sometimes it's impossible. Yeah. And to, I like, think make things better. And that's the thing. I think I needed to learn that lesson that me just doing something for you that day wasn't going to make anything better because actually it was such a big situation, such a shock that we were all in and such a big thing to process that me doing one nice thing for you that day wasn't really going to do anything for you. And I think also you weren't even in the frame of mind of thinking like, oh, what do I want to be happy right now? Like you didn't care about being happy mm. or sad. You just knew what you felt in that moment and that's what you had to be in and I actually think like like for some sometimes I was like oh I don't even know if he is grieving like I don't know if he's brushing it to the side because you start you went back to work like really quick afterwards um and I remember you had like one big um event that you were actually running yourself you had that literally two weeks later mm. and I just was like oh my gosh I can't believe he's doing this and I was thinking he's not even grieving properly and I was like how do I help him grieve and I think actually like looking back I realized you were grieving and you were just allowing yourself to be completely you you weren't forcing yourself to think of things that you needed help with or like forcing yourself to say things or say yeah I'm fine or whatever you were just in your own zone and I think that was actually you processing it in yeah. some kind of way um 
I think you were super patient as well and understanding and had loads of grace for mm. me. Because even though it seemed like you couldn't really do nothing for me, mm. I think the most important thing was I knew in that situation, like you were ride or die, like you were never going to like leave me on my own. You were always going to try and make me feel better. And for me, that was enough. Sometimes it's enough just knowing that, that someone's there and they've got your back regardless. Um, and yeah, I got away with loads around that time, like not doing the washing up. <laughs> Don't think I cleaned the house for like a year. You didn't say nothing to me, which was Yeah, no, nice nah, I think that, yeah, it was, it became the little things in it where it's like, actually, you're not going to say anything that you need. Um, so I'm just going to do whatever I think is right. And I'm just going to try and give you some space. Mm. Um, but I remember I Googled so often, like, all the time I'd be Googling what to do if your husband has just lost one of their parents <laughs> or like literally, honestly. And some of it was very unhelpful. Like some things were people's stories of like, oh yeah, um, my wife lost her mother um, and then we're a year down the line and now we've got divorced because yeah. actually it was too. And I was like, what? Like, no, that's not happening. And then... Yeah, just reading loads of stuff. But I remember seeing something that Chelsea Smith, who's Judah Smith, some preacher's wife, um, and she posted a thing about when her husband lost one of his parents and she read this book um, called Good Grief and she like recommended it on there and it was talked about the different stages of grief and I was like, okay, cool, let me just try read that. And I, I remember I didn't tell you that I'd ordered it. I didn't tell you that I was going to read it because I thought, oh... I don't want you to think that I'm like diagnosing you or I'm trying to work you out. Like I wanted you to just be allowed to feel whatever you felt in whatever moment. Um, but I really needed to start to yeah. understand what is grief. What And like I, further down the line, it got to the point where I was like, okay, right, is this grief or is this you being annoying? <laughs> like, <laughs> which is when it's harder because like the first few weeks you have loads of grace and then afterwards you're like, right, am I being taken for a ride? <laughs> I was secretly cool, but I was to see what I could get away with. Yeah, exactly. So you're like, oh, wait. Because also you don't want to like, give way to unhealthy like patterns in your marriage or um, just things of like not communicating or whatever. Like you don't want to get into that. And if it's something that you should speak up about or call out, then you should do it. But do it with grace, I guess. But yeah, so reading this book was really helpful because it helped me understand things. And then I remember it was like a year later, um, there was one morning and you were saying to me how like you were describing the way that you felt and you actually don't do that very often. So I was like really listening because you were like talking. So I was like, oh, let me listen. And then you were like, um, I can't remember what it was. It was something to do with like a cloud and feeling like it was just heavy on you. And it, this picture that you described basically was how you were feeling. I and I, I remember saying like, like everyone around me is all right. Yeah. Sun shining for everyone else. Yes. But everywhere I go, there's like a dark cloud over my head. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember being like, I know what that is. Oh my gosh, I know what that is. And I didn't want to jump in straight away and be like, hey, I know, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but I was like, oh, do you know what? That's really familiar. Like, I think I've heard that. And then you were like, what do you mean? And it was literally described in the exact same way in the book that I'd read. That picture that you described was written in there. So I was like, oh, can I just read you this page of this book that I got? And you had no idea that I'd even read this book. Um, and I didn't want to like give it to you earlier because I just thought, do you know what? It's, that's probably the worst thing that you could do to someone yeah. when they're like going through something hard. Be like, oh, hey, read this book. Like You were aware that 
you were aware that that was happening a lot as well. Like people were saying stuff to us. Yeah. Like read this or do this or yeah. don't worry, this is going to happen, but this is how you respond to it. So I feel like you were really careful yeah. with doing that to me. Yeah. Did it in a really clever way, to be fair. Thanks. Um, you were like responsive rather than like charging in and saying, right, we need to be doing this or this yeah. is what I read. Yeah, I think I knew that I needed to have like some things like in my head or in my heart that I could give to you when you needed it, but to not give it to you too soon because I I knew you'd shut it down if you got it too early. Mm. So I think even though it was like a year, I'd actually even like forgotten that I'd even read that book. Um, But when you described it, it just pinged in my head and then you read it. You like read the whole book after that. And I didn't even tell you to. You were just like, oh, can I have that book? And that's rare for me as well. Yeah. I read like half a book and get bored. To be fair, that book is like 10 pages long. Though, so. <laughs> My kind of book. <laughs> it's basically a leaflet. Um, <laughs> but yes. And I remember then you were like, oh, can I read it? And I was like, yes, you can. And then, yeah, you like got loads from it, didn't you? It is a sick book. It's called Good Grief for anyone that wants to get it. I can't remember who the author is. Um, um, Westberg. Yeah. Westberg. Weston? Something like that. E. Westberg. Yeah. I don't know. Look, it's on Amazon um, and I think it's literally like £2. Do you feel like people that are supporting those that are grieving get enough support? And if not, like, how does that happen? Obviously, you're grieving as well, but you're grieving plus playing the role of supporting the person that's directly, do you know what I mean, related to the person or whatever. Like, do you feel like you got enough support from people in your life um like could you pick up the phone and call someone and say hey like i was having a really rubbish day i don't know what to do and i'm having a really rubbish day like i need help or (sighs) did you just like ride it out solo i don't know it's a difficult one because i think when you're in that situation you feel like anything that i i personally felt like anything that i was feeling was nothing in comparison to how you must be feeling Mm. and i was very aware of that and i think i was thinking why do i need support when it's not my dad like you need the support so i but then i think i started to realize yeah like you can't pour from an empty cup and Mm. you do have to be supported and you do have to have spaces where you can just be like yourself and just cry and I I never really wanted to like get support from someone in the way where I'm like oh Isaac's like really difficult to talk to at the moment or anything like that because I didn't want anyone in my ear being like oh yeah he really should start talking more because I'm like actually nobody knows you like that like if I was to talk to any of my friends or my family it's not like they've lived with you and they know like how you process stuff so I didn't really find it helpful talking to other people about you but I think I found it helpful to just know that I had a few people that I could just be really honest with about how I was personally feeling if I was maybe feeling a bit tired if I was feeling like emotional about other things as well because the crazy thing about grief is that it's not like an event of life where then nothing else happens, but mm. actually life is still continuing. Yeah. And natural life is that there are ups and downs. Things happen maybe with work or with other things going on. And I think I knew that I couldn't, I wasn't really in a place where I could bring any of that to you. So if I was struggling with something, I remember I started like applying for jobs and I was finding that quite difficult because I wasn't really finding anything that I wanted to do. Um, 
And that was tough, but I knew that I didn't want to come to you and be like, oh, I'm just finding it so hard to find a job at the moment. That was something that I had to deal with, though. Like, I had a real chip on my shoulder, and understandably so, but I started to kind of diminish the problems of other people. And I'd be like, I have the biggest problem mm. because I lost my dad and nothing that you're going through in your life compares to that. And so you just need to, like, be quiet, basically. I remember actually, like, having an outburst and an argument one time actually mm. i was like oh yeah but i lost my dad and then obviously that's gonna win any argument in it <laughs> you know what i'm saying Trump. like you can't say anything off the back of that and that's something that i had to deal with because i was like actually no like whatever someone's going through like that might be a big thing for them and yeah. that's just as valid as the big thing in my life yeah um yeah no I, I yeah i think it was more just like the little things the little daily frustrations that you can get over within a few hours, I knew that you didn't really need those on your plate. Mm. Um, and I remember, because you were also planning your dad's funeral as well. So it wasn't even just that you were dealing with the grief, but you actually had loads to do. Um, so yeah, I think I would just speak to like my family, my sisters, uh, my mum, and just like a couple close friends really. It's good. Um, what would it be like your everyone deals with grief in different ways isn't it but like from your experience what advice would you give someone that's been in like a similar position to you where they've lost someone that's relatively close to them and also they have to play this like supportive role mm. um it's hard because i think everyone's so different and every personality is different so people need different stuff um but i would say be confident in what you think that you know of your partner and because a lot of the time they're not gonna tell you what they need they're not going to tell you what they want but just try and like be really attentive to the atmosphere the mood or whatever and try and respond to it in the best way that you can um don't push your own feelings on stuff um have your own people that you can talk to and process with um and yeah just be ready to support and ready to help them when they come to you because they will come to you because mm. you're their person but it might take a year it might take a month it might take a day it might take 10 years but I don't know I think knowing that you're there is probably really important for someone who's grieving yeah so we've recently had a son Ezra we have um which is like an amazing thing um, but it is like bittersweet somewhat for me because I'm like, oh, my dad didn't get to meet his grandchildren. Mm. Um, how's that been for you? Like, does Ezra signify anything for you? Because for me, it's like I'm always going to be indebted to Emma because she blessed or helped bless us with a little boy. The name lives on, do you know what I'm saying? That's mm. my dad's legacy which is crazy for me to think about. Like, in my mind, he's never going to die because Ezra's here. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I think about it probably in a different way to mm. you. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I'm so proud to have a son. I would be proud to have a daughter too. Um, but yeah, I think new life is a beautiful thing. And I can see why it's a total blessing from God. And 
yeah, it's just incredible. And I think it kind of signifies not a new beginning in the way that the old is gone because the old is definitely not gone, but just a fresh chance at joy and not trying to recreate the past. Because I think that's the difficult thing, isn't it? When someone passes away, you try and get back. You think, oh, I need to get back to how it was before. I need to get back the joy that I had before. And actually the truth is, it's not going to happen because life is different now. Um, So you have to learn to live with your new normal and your new situation. But then I think when there's a new joy that comes, it brings so much life. Mm. And I think that's what Ezra signifies for me. Um, But yeah, it is, it's very emotional, like having a child, knowing that, like your dad isn't around to meet him, but he would be so proud of him and he'd be proud of you as a dad because you do an excellent job. You're going to make me cry again. <laughs> You're making yourself cry, man. I haven't said nothing. Um. <laughs> but no, I remember, I, what's that film that we saw? And this was literally before I was pregnant. Um, it was like quite a while after your dad had passed away as well. What is that film? The one that's like... The one that made you cry because I'm thinking of at least 10 right yeah, now. Yeah, every film makes me cry. But the one where it's like, it's not Rocky... But it's the one after Rocky. What, like Rocky 2? No, <laughs> the film with the guy. Oh, I know what um, you mean. Um, yeah, um, Sylvester Stallone's in it and he's yeah, training a boxer. he's like the uncle. Ain't like Creed 2. Creed, Creed yeah. 2. Yeah, so in Creed 2, he has a kid. Yeah. This is a spoiler alert because it's right at the end, but you should have seen it by now. It's been out for ages. But at the end, he takes his child with his... Um, girlfriend, partner, wife, I can't remember what she was. Yeah. And he takes his baby to his dad's grave and is like, I wanted you to meet him. And I remember just sitting in the cinema. Oh my gosh, I'm crying again. <laughs> oh, babe. You got to finish the story though. I know, sorry. Tell, tell, what did he do? Did I just didn't want to say anything because I thought my voice was going to go weird. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just remember sitting in the cinema, like proper balling, thinking, oh my gosh, like that's going to be us one day. Like that's going to be you, like you're going to do that. And it made me really sad to like think, wow, like there's a lot of moments going forward that we're going to really miss your dad, like being a part of. Mm. Um, and then I remember like just a few weeks ago, like it happened, like we went to the cemetery i'm so sorry (laughs) um yeah i just remember we went to cemetery a few weeks ago and you introduced ezra to your dad like by his graveside and like in a way it was like really beautiful but also in a way i was like oh my gosh like this actually is really hard and I think that's the thing like when you lose someone so close and so special that it never really like goes away but there's so much joy and like there can be so much joy as well Mm. and it's like then you live with this like the weight of joy and the weight of like extreme sadness all at the same time but then I think like it's incredible what you've like been able to say about that before where you've said how actually you understand now what like the fullness of life is and it's the fullness of experiencing the extreme 
the extremes that life can bring, the extremes of emotion, the extremes of sadness, the extremes of joy. Yeah. And actually in that moment, I was like, wow, yeah, this is this is the fullness of life, like what we're experiencing. And I don't want to shut it away. I don't want to be like, oh, I don't want that sad emotion or mm. I don't want this sad moment at the cemetery. But actually I want to see it for what it is and be grateful yeah. for this new life. And yeah. I'm finding that there's beauty in everything, man, even in the worst situations. <coughs> Um, I know my dad would be like, I don't know what I believe of heaven yet, whether mm. he's like looking down or he's like in the grave or like he's going to go later. Mm. But if he's looking down, <coughs> excuse me, I know he'd be like super proud like mm. of you and the way we've handled this and just like riding it out and stuff. If you could have like one more conversation with him, what would you say, man? Oh gosh. Um, what would I say? I guess I'd just say thank you for It's really odd. <laughs> <laughs> All the lifts. <laughs> no, I'd say thank you for how he raised you because now like seeing you as a dad you get that from somewhere in it like you've learned that you've not just it's not come out of nowhere um and I think uh, yeah I would just say thank you to him for just and how he supports your mum and like everything that he's done for your family and yeah I would just say thank you that's it like I don't have any questions <laughs> I don't have anything else like that I would want from him other than to just be grateful. And I think maybe never said thank you enough. But I do, I said I love you to him before he passed away. I remember that. I remember that. That was so yeah. weird because we never really do that. Like me no. and my dad anyway. And something just said to me, tell him you love him. Yeah. But at the point where I said that to him, I didn't believe anything bad would happen. I just said it. Mm -hmm. And now I'm so grateful. Yeah, exactly. Ezra's going to be sick of me, man, because I feel like I say it to him all the time now just to make sure <laughs> that he knows his stuff. But, um, yeah, man, my dad loved you. Oh, I loved your dad. I would say, though, um, before this ends, I feel like it's coming <laughs> to a close. One thing that I wanted to say um, was that one thing that I found very, very helpful for me personally, because maybe the type of person that I am, was keeping a diary. Um and writing things down and I'm actually so glad that I did that and I sent you like one of the diary entries yeah. not that long ago and I think because in the moment there's so much going on that you don't everything becomes a blur and you kind of forget but reading back I know like exactly what happened mm. like I can remember and when I read it now I'm like oh yeah I forgot that happened and it's not that you want to remember every detail of like the worst day of your life but I think actually there's like real, it can give you a sense of control, I guess, if you feel like actually, no, I do know what happened rather than yeah. getting further down the line and being like overwhelmed with that. Wait, do I even remember it right? Like what happened? What am I feeling? Blah, blah, blah. Um, good. So for me, I, I kept a diary and I wrote like everything about that day shortly after. And then after that, I continued to write about how I was feeling, what I was going through and... um like just struggles 
that it was or joy that I found in a different day or whatever it was because I think I wanted to just be able to reflect on that whole time um that is good though because like yeah obviously I remember what happened but some of it a lot of it is actually a blur like you say, it feels like it was just like one thing rather than this happened on that day, then this happened, then that. I don't really have that kind of a memory. Yeah. Um, so it's good. I remember you tried to get me to write a diary, but I was just too lazy yeah. to do it. And um, that writing diaries isn't for everyone. I'm definitely like a processor through writing. So I think that helped me a lot, like just being able to blur it out on a page. Yeah. I wrote an album, though, that kind of counts as a diary. That's a true. Um, <laughs> Play that one in there. Thanks for coming upstairs to speak to me. Appreciate it. Thanks for making me cry. Sorry, man. I'll give you a cuddle after this Aww. ends and get your tissue. It's probably more important than a cuddle. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more of my personal story, I've shared about my grief process musically. Hands Are Made For Working is the name of the album and it's available on all music platforms. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, you can support us by writing a review on iTunes, sharing the podcast with friends and family, and if you wish, making a donation on our Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash governor B. And be sure to subscribe, because I'll be back soon with another guest. Cheers.